Okay, everyone, if you have your worship guides, go ahead and remain standing, um, or you can turn to the scriptures, you know, if you've carried your Bible, brought your Bibles in here, you can also turn to uh, Matthew 11. This entire month, we are going to be in Matthew 11, and we're, we're learning about rest. And so this is the authority of scripture. The full context starts in verse 25, even though you only have 28 through 30 in your, script, in your worship guide. So this is the word of God. At the time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we say together, for all flesh is like grass. For the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So this is... uh, the exact opposite of the first uh, week's worth of teaching. Um, I wasn't here last week. Uh, Thank you so much for praying for me and my family as we were getting over COVID. Um, But this is the exact opposite. And here's before we jump in, I want you to to, to have a heart. And even the, 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 the songs that we have been singing have been tipping our, our, our hat here that this is going to be a Sunday of repentance a Sunday even of confession. So much so that we've given you all a worksheet. If you don't have a worksheet, you're gonna want that because we're gonna give you time and space to actually fill that joker out because we want you to dialogue with this text. We want you to actually do some of the hard work so it's not all dependent on me, but we want the Lord to really work in your heart because we think with this, this morning of confession, you're going to be able to experience what Jesus calls is, is rest. And we're not very restful, are we? So if you find yourself burdened or heavy or overworked this morning, we want you to confess that this morning. We want you to be free to actually say, Lord, I'm coming in here heavy. Lord, I'm coming in here overworked. So where Jesus was very strong two weeks ago in saying, I will give you rest. I am the one who is able to come to me. There's this great invitation to God to come to me. It was invitational. It was purposeful. And there was a solution that rest is possible. The flip side of the coin is what are the things that are actually robbing us of that, the, that rest? So on Memorial Day weekend, I tried to do something that I probably shouldn't have done. But I tried to, by hand, I tried to paint my house. So I'm not, I'm not, crazy, about, um, I'm not crazy about heights. I'm not crazy about paint. 
I don't have a ton of extra time on my hands. And so, but Memorial Day weekend, I jumped into this great job called painting. My job is, or my house is exactly 40 years old, and I'm almost convinced there's been no stain or no extra coat of paint for 40 years because the paint just, just I mean, it, the wood just soaked it up like crazy. So there I was on a ladder, afraid of heights, bucket after bucket. I started with a, a literal, like, like a Tom Sawyer or whatever his name was, like just all, I mean, just over and over and over. Instead of whitewashing, we picked black. It was terrible. And it was just over. I mean, just weekends after weekends, days after days, weeks turned into months, months turned into seasons. My house is still not completely painted. Why we chose this endeavor, I do not know. But we did, and we started it. And I remember that at the beginning of this, probably about here, where the ladder was still out on the front side of the, the house. My mom came up to me and was like, I see that you're still painting, son. I'm like, I'll be here for a while, mom, thanks. And I said, but actually, let me tell you something. Actually, this is really good for me. I'm conquering my fear of heights. I'm not that scared anymore. Number two is I'm learning a little bit about my heart and perseverance and being able to, to complete a task. But more than that, mom, you will never guess what's happening on top of this ladder. She was like, what son? But just, you know, she loves her son. I was like, worship. Mom, real worship. I'm praying and I'm singing because I have hours and hours and hours with nothing to do but spread black paint on a dark house. Well, that must have been week like two or three. Because as the months went on and Memorial Day turned into Labor Day and Labor Day turned into Halloween, I was over it. I mean, I am totally over it. And I remember the day where I completely lost it. I'm in my office inside looking out. And as I'm looking at my front yard and I'm contemplating something, my eyes kind of, you know how in frame you just kind of come into focus. I've looked out of this window it's a thousand times. This is my home office, a thousand times. But my eyes now focused on little specks of paint that were on this window. And I'm like, this house doesn't take one coat or two coats. This monstrosity is taking three coats and now I'm going to have to go back to every window and scrape the windows too? And I lost it. I'm like, I am done. I am done with this job. I'm done with work. I mean, I just, I was over it. Because re resentment had set in because it was so very hard. Because life is a lot like this paint job. Whether you are a nurse, stay-at-home mom, whether you run a business, whether you are the boss or you have a boss, so much of our life, this labor-intensive thing that we call life, is hard. Labor, yes, it is. Labor has a strange way of stealing things from us. And we may not even know that it's stealing from us. Labor has a way of stealing things from us and making us weary. Because more days than not, when I come through a door of being at work all day, I'm just at the 
end of it and I come in pretty weary. So you've got this sheet of paper and it's blank and it's just it's a simple table. And there's these questions that are just going to have you analyze like what's heavy or what's bringing heaviness into your life or what is making you so very tired. Because the question today is what in your life right now is so very heavy? What is it? What is the thing or what are the things that are heavy? Jesus is the one who's bringing labor and heaviness and this thing called yoke into the passage. He's the one that's giving us permission to actually think about the other side of the coin. What's so heavy right now? What's weighing you down? What is so very hard? What labor is and weight is stealing life from you? All right, class. I'll give you a few minutes to contemplate, to think through what is heavy, what's stealing life, what is weighing you down. And I want all of us to dialogue with it. One, two, three, go. You may have to confess some of these later. So uh, it's all family today. So what is it? Okay, we've got... 20 minutes, 20 more minutes together. So feel free to continue to come back to the sheet as we talk. You know, it's, it's fine to just keep on dialoguing with the sheet of paper because we want you to walk away with something, walk away with a tool, walk away with a prayer initiative of what is heavy. But did, 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 did things come to mind? Right? Were there people that came to mind, things that came to mind? Okay, so all right. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying something about our Reality, And he just is calling it heavy labor. Jesus is not sugarcoating anything in our passage. He says very clearly that this world is heavy. He's the one that's claiming it that way. And we can't dodge it. And so he says things like he's just, he's just giving us a reality that, that there is work to be done. Right? And so there are all those who come and all those who labor... And so it would be wrong of us to even just erase work or even erase things like things, there's no friction in this life. And so I think that it's good, even before we like start naming them, to realize that God has called us to work. And that's okay to work. Actually, we find great purpose in our work. It's God who created uh, himself and he went to work first and then he gave Adam and even he gave them jobs of, of all kinds of things in the early days. So work is good. He says that that's possible. And so he's the one who's mandated this thing called work and he's given all of us work ethics. And so there is just a reality that we work, right? Jesus is not erasing our work. He's not just calling us to be apathetic, is he? He just says we are going to labor and it's going to be heavy. And so number one, he's bringing value to work. And then two, it's saying that we can't be passive people because I know that our first reaction is to escape. When things get hard, we want to escape. We want to run. We want to hide. We want to dismiss it. That's a lot easier than working through something. Jesus is saying, hey, there's going to be work and we really should not dismiss it or run from things. We shouldn't use all of these coping mechanisms in order to cover over it like it's not a thing. However, however, 
So he values work. He shouldn't be passive. However, he's telling us there is another reality. There's got to be a, a reality that you and I are understanding first and foremost. And this reality is the things that we do with our hands. If we step into it too negatively or it becomes too heavy, it actually impacts our soul. And that's what I don't know if we as just Westerners understand because we love to work. We get up to make a paycheck. But I don't know if we do a good enough job realizing what we do with our hands and our minds and all those things actually has an impact on our souls. And why do I say that? He says, because at the very end, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life, light, for I want you to find rest for your souls. Ultimately, is not about your job. Ultimately, is not about the heaviness. It's about how your soul is going to be able to react to the person and work of Jesus fully and completely. This series is to equip you and I with this idea of rest. You need rest and I need rest. Our church gave me a three-month sabbatical to be able to even learn what rest is. Jesus tells us that your soul is in danger if you do not understand that this, this balancing act between labor and rest is always on your plate. What are we going to do with it? And the biblical model is what we see in creation is that, that God worked really, really hard for six full days. And then on the seventh day, he does what? He rests. And this idea of the nation of Israel being holy as I am holy. Do you remember that phrase? Be holy as I am holy. And the Lord would always bring that to the nation of Israel. It's like, this is what I want you to be. I want you to be holy as I am holy. And that little word means set apart. That means a little bit different than everyone else. And the one thing that made Israel set apart more than anything else was this idea that they didn't work every single day of their life. One day out of the week, one in seven, they stopped, they ceased, they relinquished work in order to give homage to God himself fully and completely. And so this little riff on understanding this heavy labor is to also realize maybe your soul is being depleted because you haven't stopped in order to worship him. Now you've stopped to come to a worship service, but have you stopped to worship him fully and completely? This reality of work is real. And if we let it carry us and spin us or toil becomes our mechanism, then it will actually impact our souls. And so this morning, I'm really not even worried about you physically being tired because you are overworked. What I'm most worried about is that wearisome body fatigue actually impacting your soul. Is your soul alive this morning? Or are you so ramped up or you're so consumed with what you do that you haven't realized that the restful soul is a worshipful soul? And a worshipful soul has the person and work of Jesus at the front and center of everything. 
He's not dismissing work. He's actually trying to include Jesus and in understanding that this mechanism that he's given us is, is, is really wonderful. So I read this week, Mark Buchanan reminded me of this, that there are two Chinese letters for the word busyness. There's two characters that make up this word for busyness. And those two characters are heart and killer. So think about that. In a pictorial way, how the Chinese look at busyness or this wearisome is this idea of heart killer. I think our work is actually impacting our heart much more than it is our bodies. If we let it run rampant. And so again, we'll pause so that we can continue to fill out that first section. What is taking most of your time and energy right now? I want you to dialogue. What is the thing that's zapping you, that's pulling you? Is busyness killing your soul? And one way to know that is, do you weep with those who weep? Do you celebrate with those who celebrate? Meaning, is there enough time and margin in your life that you do something other than the thing that's right in front of you. But there's a margin for you just to do something simple like weep with those who weep. Celebrate for those who celebrate. So spend a little time thinking and asking, what is the thing that's taking your time and energy? Is there is busyness killing a heart killer, as the Chinese would say? Give you some time just to think through that and contemplate that. Okay, so here's a little Bible study tool. Number two is that Jesus then gives us a brand new invitation, doesn't he? All right, so let's read it together. Come to me, all who labor. I want you to circle that word, right, or underline that. And heavy laden, all right, I want you to look at those two terms. Come to me those who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to draw a line from labor to easy and heavy laden to light. Here is some parallelism in our passage. You only have three verses here, but you see some parallelism here. Because there's a direct correlation between you who are described as laborsome and heavy and what Jesus' new reality, this new invitation that he's given to us, he has the audacity to say is easy and light. Whew, would that not be amazing? I mean, I don't even know what easy means or light means. But boy, does my heart explode at Jesus' invitation to come to me. He says, come to me. It's personal. It's real. The only way you're going to find rest for your souls is in the person and work of Jesus. There's no other thing that this world can offer that can give you rest for your souls. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. And it's like what he's always been saying. Remember the psalmist is the one who says, be still and know that I am God. 
Or the psalmist in Psalm 23 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures because he knows that there is something better and more real in the person of Jesus himself. And number two, he evokes slavery language. This is like the key of the entire passage is that there's something that's going to enslave you. There's something that's going to find you in bondage. There's something that you're going to be yoked to. And it's almost like we get a choice because that's where the invitation is. Come to me, you who are heavy. Come to me. And this, but this, this other invitation, this idea that is personal, but it's also there's a new yoke. There's this new reality of how you and I are able to do this thing we call work. This bondage is different. We think of images of slavery, of, of handcuffs, and all kinds of things, that yet Jesus' slavery and his yoke, and get this, is tied to his presence. What is he wanting you to be bound by? The presence of Jesus. Is it a yoke? Yes. Is it strong? Yes. Do we take it? Yes, but it's the present. It's his very presence in our life. So it's as much about worship as anything else. And going throughout your day, as menial as it is, and walking in his presence, and his presence doesn't make things just evaporate. But you find this guidance, or you find this wisdom, or you find this forgiveness, or you find this whisper, or you find this strength, or you find this boldness that can only be found in the person and work of Jesus, and it's in his very presence in your life. And that's what we're begging the Lord for, is that we would stop being Christians when it comes to this apparatus or this thing, or this marketing campaign. And we start becoming Jesus followers that's less about a thing and more about the person of Jesus. I said it two weeks ago, but it's worth saying again that the generation under us or under me, they're, they're deconstructing their faith. Piece by piece, they're looking at their faith or they're looking at their, their belief system and they're taking screwdrivers and hammers and wrenches to it and starting to disassemble it. It's called deconstruction. Two weeks ago, I said you cannot, you can deconstruct an apparatus. You can remodel a kitchen, but you cannot deconstruct the person and work of Jesus. Because he's a person, and he's real, and he should be present with us. What he is offering to you and me this morning is the life and the breath and the boldness of Jesus himself fully and completely. And that's why he says, learn from me. He's making it very personal. He says, just walk with me. Learn from me. Fix your eyes on me. Just come with me. And I'm telling you, our journey together may end up with one of us being martyred. As in the 11 of the 12 ended up losing their life. But this journey that he is welcoming us all on, it may not be easy in temporal terms, but it will be easy in terms that God's very presence will make it 
full and complete and real. I have come to give you life and life abundantly, Jesus says. He says, I want you to learn from me. The irony of the Gospels is that guys like me and crowds like us miss Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to those religious leaders who bind and put heavy burdens too hard to bear and lay them on man's shoulders. What Jesus is offering is not an apparatus. What he's offering you right now is this idea that you can be and walk with Jesus fully and completely. So when you give time and you give space and you give margin to the Lord, he's able to speak in just unbelievable ways. So let me tell you a a humorous story about sabbatical. So um, every morning, seven mornings, somebody wakes up early. Um, Either um, Alistair is one of the best, sometimes I, sometimes McKibben, or sometimes Nicole, we make a pot of coffee. Now, we don't do the drip thing. We do a French press, right? Because we just, we just like that, right? And so we make this coffee, and it takes forever for the water to boil and then to grind your beans, and then you've got to do the little pour over, and you've got to wait for three minutes, and then you've got to let the, the, the grind, grinds come up to the top, and it's called blooming. So then it blooms, and then you shove it to the bottom, and then you wait another, another three minutes. It's just this whole process. It's just, it's just crazy, right? Every single morning, this is what we do at our household. And so when I make the pot of coffee, right, I pull down two mugs out of the cupboard, right? And when I finish making this coffee, I pour two cups of coffee, one for me and one for Nicole. And I gladly walk over to Nicole and I say, here you go, dear, and I hand her my coffee. This is just normal husband and wife things, right? Well, one day on sabbatical, I ask my question, uh, ask the question, why do I pour that second cup of coffee? It's easy to pour yourself a cup of coffee, right? But why do I take another step, pour a second cup of coffee and take it to my bride and say, here you go, dear. Well, here's what it's like to walk in the presence of Jesus. Over the course of about an hour of asking myself, why did I pour a second cup of coffee? The Lord revealed that my heart longed for something from Nicole. And it was actually not a gift at all. It looked like a gift. It looked like, here you go, dear. But in my heart and in my mind, what I was really begging for was affirmation. Because I was waiting for her to say those golden words. Thank you. Or even better, you're the best. Or even better, what would I do without you? Or even best, you want to make out? All right, or, I'm, I'm kidding. Those are, I took that too far. All right, but you see what I'm saying? So why did I pour a second cup of coffee? Was it for her or was it for me? See, the presence of Christ What he's asking us to walk in is to look at our motives, to look at our lives, to see at every inch of all of our lives and all the scenarios and say to ourselves, 
Am I making this life so much harder than it actually is, should be? Because I'm so selfish and I'm so myopic and I'm so just consumed with myself that I'm, it's actually killing my soul. Maybe the labor in our life is less about our jobs and painting houses and less about being fully and completely dependent on God himself. So, to the worksheet. What is heavy? I've got a few minutes here. Because the second column of what does Jesus make light is there needs to be a direct correlation between the things that are heavy in your life and how Jesus is able to make it light. Remember, he's the one that created parallelism in this passage. He's the one that is drawing a line from labor to easy and uh, heavy laden all the way to light. He is able to do that. So when we say we long to be gospel-centered or Jesus-centric, we want to look at what is heavy, but then we also want to look at the person and work of Jesus and ask ourselves, how does he, how do all of the promises that are completed in him, all of our yes and our amens are found in Jesus, how does Jesus able to make that light? These are the things that we get to contemplate. So take a few minutes and see if you're able to arc be able to draw a line between your heaviness and how Jesus could make that thing light. Okay, let's just do one or two examples if you are so bold, right? What is in column A, I guess? And then what is it? How is it that Jesus is, how, what is his job or how is he making it light? So Jessica said that there's grief in her heart, right? So that's the thing that's heavy. But when she's wrestling with the Lord on, in grief, she's able to see that there's actually something that she gains or we gain in that grief. And just seeing that exchange makes that grief light because we find it in Jesus. Thank you, Jessica. All right, one more. All right, so did you hear what Liz said? living under her roof, right? A child who is in a season of rebellion. What do you do with that weight? And so this idea of timing, trusting the Lord, that's what's making it light. This morning means nothing if you only think about what's heavy. That's just workspace. That's just another religious person putting more weight on you. The only way that that graph works and the only way worship happens in your heart is if you make the connection. How is Jesus author and perfecter of my faith? He's given you your story, the details of your story, even the hard ones. What is he doing in the midst of that story? I'm glad the snow let up today and I'm glad we were able to worship with the Lord together. It was good to dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen? So Lord, we pray now as we come to your table that Lord, that we will be as free as birds. 
that we would be like the lilies of the field that have that worry not because you provide for us. We also pray for those of us, even me this morning, walking in this morning with much more wearisome than I've had in a long time. What do I do? What do we do in a season of grief and pain and even rebellion? Where do we turn? So Lord, in, on, in the, around the table, this is where we find life. This is where we find freedom. This is where we find the person and work of Jesus who stretched out for us, who carried the only cross and bared it for us. All sin and shame and death hung on the cross so that we could find life and liberty and freedom. That we would be found blameless. That we would be called children of God because of the work, the heavy work that you did on our behalf. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.